Humans, humans, humans. Boy, do we have a show for you today. We've got an interview. We've got another interview. It's Sal Gentile, a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers. And folks, I want to talk about some song lyrics with you. Some song lyrics, a song called Beach Baby by the band First Class. And we will address something sent into the listener line as well. Uh, but let's get to these song lyrics. The song is Beach Baby by the band First Class. Here are the lyrics I want to uh, unpack. Take it away, boys. The suntan crew call an American male. Okay, that's what I hear there. That's what I hear there. The suntan crew called American male. The suntan crew call American male. How the freak do I join American male? I want to be a member of a suntan crew. Especially, especially if it's called American Male. American Male, dude. Hey, what do you, what do you and your boys call each other? American Male. I mean, is, was that a thing in the nineteen fifties or sixties? You would name your crew. You know, I've got some, I've got some buddies. We don't have a name for each other. But is that a thing from the 50s and 60s? You named your crew and they were like, yeah, we're a suntanned crew and we're called American Male. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a magazine, right? It sounds like a magazine you'd buy on like 8th Avenue, you know, back in the 70s, American Male. But this sounds cheerful. Just macho. Just some guys on the beach. Some buddies. Some suntanned buddies. And frankly, I want to be a member. And in fact, since this song is so old, and I've never heard anyone else talk about these lyrics before, I think we just take it over right here at the show. I go tanning. The whole last episode was talking about making sure I tanned certain parts of my body, my under the peck area, the back of my legs. So I say... You know, as a guy who likes to tan, it, if you're a guy that likes to tan, well, if you listen to the show, if you're a human, well, then we're just going to also call ourselves American Male. If you're a member of the Sydney Hollis Show community, if you're a member, if you're a human, if you're a human, if you're a listener, and you like to tan, well, we can call ourselves a little subset of the humans. We can call ourselves American Male. And let me be clear, I just love the name. You can be any gender and participate. You can be a woman, you can be a man, you can be whatever you want to call yourself. If you love tanning and you're a part of the tanning crew here at the show, then, you know, you're part of the group American Male. Okay, I want to address something sent into the listener line uh, last episode. Sent in by Jeff from Massachusetts. Jeff, you're right. 
When I have people on the show and interview them, they would be great if we had a little tab of the interviewees and, uh, you know, like what, what their deal is, what they're plugging. So it's easy for you to guys, for you guys to find. And, you know, if you're into the interviews, you can go on the website, sydneyhollishow.com and look at the interviewees and say, oh, that's an episode I like to hear. That's episode, in this case, 93. Okay. Now, let's get to the interview. This is me talking with my pal Sal, and we're going to talk a little technology in baseball. Humans, he's here. He's a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers. He's in charge of A Closer Look. He is Sal Gentile. Sal, welcome to the Sydney Hollis Show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm honored and excited. It's it's great to have you here. And I got to just, I got to tell you, you and I have something in common. It's that, uh, you know, if I ever want to know what's bothering you, I could just turn mm-hmm. on the TV, you know, and then and see what a closer look is about and just imagine how angry you are about certain things. And I just love picturing <laughs> you stirred up. And, you know, now that I have this podcast, as I get better, you'll be able to do that with me on my end. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it. Com- I hope the burning passion comes through the screen as i'm sure as i know it does for you (laughs) you're i i can here's the thing your mode when you there is no non as and on this podcast in particular from what i've heard you're you're you are you go straight you're zero to 60 you you are you if something gets you riled you're not holding anything back this is true, Sal. Is that, is that correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going 60 miles an hour now, dude, with our hair on fire. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't looking at the speedometer. I didn't know where we were at. But I had a feeling because I felt the wind in my hair, and I was sticking my hand out the window. And I, I was like, this is intense, what we're doing right now. <laughs> you know, one time I rented uh, a Vespa with an old lover. And the guy that gave us a little 30-second lesson before we took off onto the streets mm-hmm. of a tourist town. He just told her, he said, well, just put your arms around him and, and hold on to him like you love him. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing right now. But that didn't work out for you. <laughs> well, in the long run, no. <laughs> it was so it was really it was really she was really had to put a lot of acting. into. It. <laughs> she may have loved me on that day. That was her birthday. OK. All right. OK. Well, she, uh, then again, if it was her birthday, maybe she didn't love me. Maybe she was realizing, you know. Maybe. I mean, I guess on Vespa days, you really have to. If you <laughs> you either love someone or you don't ride that Vespa with them. This is true. So, yeah. so Sal, I asked you to come on the show to talk about technology and baseball. Uh, yeah. And, and one of the reasons I, I mean, you went straight to my mind. There was a recent article in the New York Times about it. Uh, forgive me for, for mentioning that rag. Uh <laughs> But uh, you went straight to the top of my list as people that have a strong reaction to this. Because when I, when I picture you, you, you are the closest thing I know to like a New Yorker kind of guy, like, like Billy Crystal and the other guy. And when Harry met Sally, just kind of go into the batting mm-hmm. cages for the day. Like you just, you scream New York baseball fan to me. Uh, I'm honored by that. I really am genuinely honored by that description because there's, there's, Everything else about me is so nondescript that there's <laughs> one thing that would scream at people. I walk around, I wear my Mets cat. That's like my uniform. Is like bedraggled guy <laughs> flipping through the papers, getting his coffee, 
seeing other guy, other people on the street, they see me in the Mets hat. All anybody wants to talk to me on the, the thing that I'm happiest to talk about is the Mets and baseball. People see me in my hat. It's a disgusting hat. I wear it. I when I run, it's it's falling apart. It's sweaty. It's gross. And that's where I want it to be. I want a hat that looks like that. I don't want to wear a nice, neat hat with the sticker on it still. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, like when sure. people don't take the stickers off because they want it to look new. I want a, I want a disgusting Mets hat that <laughs> looks like I found it on a city bus. And so that's what I have. And I walk around like that. And I've got my beard a bedraggled, <laughs> drinking my coffee, muttering to myself in, in, in Prospect Park. And, and people talk to me about the meds and that's so that i feel i think your description is accurate and i'm honored by it i mean you just yeah you just painted quite a mural there you know i can picture the, <laughs> the leaves changing and you're leafing through like the the back page of the daily news or something yeah <laughs> well there's not much to leave there's not really a lot of leafing with the daily news <laughs> it's not really like it's not a tome you know it's not really there's only a few pages in the sports section. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, te- but yes, you're right. <laughs> so, technology and baseball. All right, baseball is you know th- there's a certain nostalgia to the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to set this up here, I mean, you wouldn't believe it by looking at me, Sal, but I almost minored in anthropology in college. <laughs> 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 I got close. Wait, you almost? Almost. You almost minored in something? I was already what is that. <laughs> so not even a minor wouldn't be wouldn't exactly make you an expert in anthropology, but no. your your main credit is that you almost you considered minoring. Yeah, like summer. I was, I had taken so many like throwaway anthropology courses just that counted as other things that I was like, right. I was like, well, I wonder what it would take to minor in this while I'm at it. Uh, I wonder if you can put that on a resume. <laughs> Almost minor in anthropology. I, I mean, thought about it. Anything's got to be better than what I have right now. <laughs> right, right now it just says the last human bellman. <laughs> Before the drones take over. Oh man! Well, then the I mean, when once you have drones, talking about technology. Yeah. We were talking about technology. Well, once you have drones, then there's no need for you to be lugging stuff upstairs. The drones just go outside. They go up to the eighth floor with your luggage, and they drop it through the window. Yeah, they don't even have to make good conversation. <laughs> no, but then you know, inevitably, they're going to come out with a drone that does make good conversation. <laughs> And and then you're still tipping the drone. Yeah, you gotta tip the drone. The drone's using it to buy like batteries and parts and stuff like that. Not even anything good, you know. You know, it's not like the old days where you get a twenty and you go down to the dive bar in the corner and you can lay it down on the bar and talk to your friend Salty and say, hey, "I had a pretty good day at the hotel today." It's a drone. I mean, you're He's going to the repair shop. You just described my life perfectly, you know. <laughs> money in, money out, baby. Well, I observed you, and I, I almost minored in anthropology, <laughs> so I could tell exactly what was happening. So, in my way to almost minoring in anthropology, uh, one of my textbooks had this book about baseball one time, 
And it kind of described it. It made all these comparisons to how American the game is, and you know, the things we've heard all we've all heard before. Oh well, each you know stadium is different, and the home run is different lengths. But in theory, like the field goes on infinitely. Like you know, it just goes. You know, once it's out of play, but out of play is considered part of the field. You know, with home runs or mm-hmm. you know the foul territory is different in every stadium. And how American, and there's no time limit how american is a big uh, big chapter in this book i tried to find it today Sal. i just couldn't do it uh so you know (laughs) that's you know that's the way an anthropologist looks at the game uh yeah you know i mean let's dive into it i mean technology i mean pitchcom for instance what's going on there oh man i mean here's my take on pitchcom which is first of all i think everything you said there is so eloquent and i'm just because you couldn't find the book i'm going to attribute it to you because sure. we don't know who the book who wrote the book and we, we can talk about that no stuff way of first knowing. so i'm just going to say that you came up with all that stuff and Thank i think you. it's so insightful um i do I side note i've never heard the thing which i do think is a fascinating insight about out of play being infinite for the now, once you hit a home run once it goes over the fence, everything over the fence is goes on forever. There's no limit to what's out of what's out 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 of play. Yeah, which I think is fascinating. Um, but so that is, a, and you know what? You could convince me with like, talk like that that you did almost major or minor <laughs> in anthropology. Thank you, Sal. Very very convincing. So, but in terms of pitchcom, here's my here's my take. Like first of all. And can we tell There's can two... we tell everyone what it is? Because I'm I'm a little clueless too, to be honest. Yes. So pitchcom is basically technology where the pitcher has a little mic in his ear, kind of like a quarterback in football, like so, like a, a not a mic, uh, an earpiece. Yeah. And um, and the 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 catcher has a little pad on their knee with buttons. And they just press a button to signal through the earpiece to the pitcher what pitch they want. And it's much simpler. It take it's much faster than shaking off a bunch of signs. Um, and there's two reasons, uh, stated reasons from MLB why they want pitchcom, which is to enhance pace of play, which is like their huge obsession, which is to make the games go faster. And obsession deters. Yes, they're obsessed with making the games go faster. Even though every football game takes fucking four and a half hours and ends in a goddamn like forty-nine year forty-nine yard field goal from a guy you've never heard of before. Um, but uh, fine, whatever. Uh, so they want pace of play. They want it to move faster. They don't want guys shaking off signs forever. And uh, and they and the signs take longer as, as when there's been on base because they've got to add in a bunch of like coded uh, signals to so people can't steal signs, which brings us to the second reason to avoid st- sign stealing. Um, they want uh, catchers just be able to signal through an earpiece so base runners aren't trying to steal signs. I don't think I would be. Fa- I don't think the number. I don't think the stud the the the. As far as I'm aware, I haven't seen any information or data yet on whether it actually enhances pace of play. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. To me, it doesn't seem like it that much because you can still shake things off if you want to. Um, 
and sometimes the pitch com malfunctions. Like there's been times where the guy's like the earpiece is not working, and then that takes a whole fucking <laughs> five minutes to fix it. Um, you know, they got to go to Radio Shack and get another one or whatever. <laughs> good luck finding and, one. Uh, what? That's a good luck finding one. You know. Oh, that's exactly what that's what I said to Rob Manfred when I talked to him about it. I said, Good luck finding a radio shack. And he's like, Don't worry, we'll set up new radio shacks. I'm like, You're gonna get in the radio shack business too? No? So MLB now they've got a bunch of radio shacks across the country that service all these pitch comms. Now they're now they're building new radio shacks, which everyone's like, Why do we need a radio shack? And then you go when you go in there, of course, typical radio shack fashion, the one thing you're looking for you can't find. They have a million fucking HDMI cables. You can't find a pitch com. They're like, I'm here for a pitch com. It's like, no, but we have 900 different HDMI cables. Are you interested in that? It's like everything. I have a, My whole house is full of HDMI cables. I don't need an HDMI cable. So, uh, but so, yeah. So, so they want to deter the science stealing, which I just, so I don't know about enha- en- enhancing the pace of play, but the science stealing part is what gets me. And what, when you talk about nostalgia, there are certain things about the game that I think are worth preserving. One of them is the subterfuge. There's very few other, there's very few sports where there's like this sort of like subterfuge involved of like trying to hide what you're doing from the other team and the other team trying to figure it out. I personally think as long as it's done through legal means that are available to everybody, you know, it's like one thing to have a camera set up in center field and zooming in on the catcher or whatever like that should be illegal yeah but if you're just on second base and you can figure out the if you can decode the signs i don't see why there's any problem with that i think that's a cool aspect of the game absolutely not many other yeah same thing with the, the signs from the third base coach like about putting on plays like if you can figure if you can decode that isn't that a cool thing like to me that that's that's a unique thing about the game that isn't true of every other game you know, there's not there's not lots of other sports like obviously NFL in the NFL. There's tons of plays being called that you want to hide from the other team. But it's like it's just a unique thing that like you don't expect athletes to also have to be good at like essentially like being cryptographers. <laughs> so the idea that they have to do that is I think is cool. I don't know why you need, want to deter that. You just you want to deter the illegal stuff like using video cameras and replay monitors and stuff like that. But if you can, and I don't know, maybe they decided there's no way to do that without, like, they couldn't come up with a solution for that. But I just think, like, that's a fun part of the game. Absolutely, dude. And and, and to, to your point, like, in the NFL and stuff, it's all happening on the sidelines. So kind of everyone has a shot at it. But the cool thing about baseball is you really either have to be on base, or like you said, be a third base coach or something to be in a position to kind of see those signs. It's so different. Yeah, you got to be on second base to be stealing the signs, basically, to be looking in at the catcher. And what's cool about that is you have to a bunch of other stuff you have to be worrying about when you're on, you're in the game. Like you said, in the NFL, it's happening on the sidelines. So, you know, like coaches are calling plays and stuff. They're not in the game. If you're on second base, you're in the game. You're thinking about the situation. You're thinking about what's happening around you. You're thinking about nine different scenarios that could happen and what you should do in each of those scenarios, depending on where it's hit or how hard it's hit or how many outs there are, uh, what the count is, and what you should do in each of those situations and permutations. And then on top of that, you're trying to be a cryptographer and decode what's happening. If you can figure, if you can do all of that at the same time, then I think that's just an accomplishment. That's a cool thing. I don't know why we need to make everything like 
robotic. Everything, everybody, everybody needs to be just like, you know, why, why, why don't, why don't we just take bats away? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what, what's next? You know, why, why don't we just have the, 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 the batter hit a button about whether he wants to hit the ball in. <laughs> if he hits a button, if you can just choose single, double, triple. <laughs> And then the fielders can get, they can hit a button that's like catch, diving catch. And then everybody just gets to hit buttons. That's it. And we watch a bunch of guys sitting around the field hitting buttons. Why don't we do that? Well, now, speaking of catch, and I do want to get back to technology, and we will, Sal, don't you worry. Um, You know, I have always said like, oh, play catch. But I don't know if it's a northern thing or just a baseball thing, because I'm not too steeped in baseball. Uh, Mm -hmm. But people like you, they say, have a catch that's that's always yes. sounded strange to me yes this is a big thing in with baseball people and i don't necessarily know what the right answer is people disagree about it there are certain people who insist it has to be one way or the other um uh i've always said have a catch i think that there's some people who take umbrage at play catch okay. meaning that it like it's degrading or something. It's like silly to say play catch. You're not playing catch. You're having a catch. Huh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as steeped in that controversy either, because when you grow up, it's, it's like calling, it's like when you call you, what you call if you call it soda or pop or whatever, it's like you just grow up with what you've been taught. So I just know that I grew up saying, let's go have a catch. We never said play catch. And I don't know, maybe I, I'm just guessing because I'm not sure. I think people take umbrage with the suggestion that it's playing of some kind. It's, it's, it's a more noble or uh, uh, high-minded thing to have a cat. This piece of Americana. We're going to go out in the pasture and have a cat. <laughs> We're not playing a game. Have a We're catch with a my cat. old man. Yeah, exactly. I don't play catch with my old man. <laughs> That sounds, it lacks so much gravitas. That has no gravitas. You know, you can't. Does it sound too vulnerable? Does it sound too vulnerable, like, to to play with your dad? Maybe. That's interesting. Maybe there's something there. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's more masculine to say, I I have a catch with my dad. (laughs) It's too, uh, yeah, yeah. All these, all these insecure, you know, alpha males, they don't want to admit that they're just playing a a child game with their fathers. <laughs> They're just trying to reconnect emotionally with a, their fathers. So they never really had, you know, fathers are so elusive. You can't really establish a firm emotional connection or bond with them. And, but playing catch is a way to do that, but you don't want to admit it. Yeah. You don't want to be so vulnerable. You don't want to say, oh, I'm playing catch with my dad because I'm finally creating an emotional bond with him. <laughs> Say no, I'm having a catch with him because we're two men of equal stature. Yeah, we had a beer together. We had a catch together. That's right. Yeah, you don't play beer. <laughs> I'm gonna play a beer. <laughs> My dad. No, Sal, I want to get back to te- technology and baseball here. And before we do, I just want to point out that uh, you know the speed of the game, but people criticize baseball for maybe being a little on the slow side or or some people Mm. have used the word boring. I don't want to go there, but I do want to point out, (laughs) (laughs) I do want to point out that it's the only sport um, 
that has a Ken Burns. And, you know, if you look at titles of other Ken Burns's besides baseball, there's the Dust Bowl, the Roosevelt's, National Parks. You know, it doesn't exactly sound thrilling. I, you're right. Ken Burns has not done a Fast and Furious <laughs> yet. But I, I, that's why I'm pulling for him to get one of those. <laughs> if he could do a Fast and Furious, then it would really change his reputation. I think it would help baseball, too. If you could say, like, yeah, Ken Burns did baseball, but he also did, you know, F10 or whatever, <laughs> F12. Um you know, it would make where, baseball sound more exciting. Exactly. By extension, it would make <laughs> baseball sound a lot more. Whoa. The guy who did F12 also made a bunch of documentaries about baseball. Like, and I even think if he wants to go back and George Lucas, some of those and add some CGI to the baseball. Sure. Documentaries that could help too. <laughs> you know, add, add like a, a Jar Jar or something. <laughs> I know Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. The best character from Star Wars. Yeah, the one, the most beloved character from Star Wars. If he wants to go back and add like a Jar Jar to the, to the, to the baseball documentaries that happened. Like he's Babe Ruth's <laughs> assistant or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, if he's, yeah, if he's like, Misa, not sure you should go to Yankees or something like that. You know, like. <laughs> Then that would create some buzz. It would yeah. give the baseball documentaries a little more cachet. But I grant your premise. Here's an interesting thing that I discovered recently about baseball because here I just think it's so I think it's just different. It's not a spectacle sport necessarily in the way that like others are. It's not a big event sport anymore, at least. It is more of just like and so maybe that's out of sync with our times. It is more just like woven into the fabric of your daily life. For people who watch baseball broadcasts, it's really just like watching a t like a TV sh- like a daily TV show. Okay. It's actually, as a person who works in late night, it's not dissimilar to late night shows in that it's the same people. You're comfortable with them every day. Recurring characters, like the b- people in the booth, are yeah. like the same guys. And they do the same, and like, they're that's the TV for baseball fans. That's the TV show you watch the most out of anything else that you watch ever in that year. So it's less of like a big spectacle building up to it, and more just like it's it's like a utility. It's like water running out of your faucet. It's there every day, and so it's different. But I, it, you know, I don't know how to account for taste and sensibilities and maybe that's more out of sync with our times but i like the fact it's just there every day i see what you mean i mean that's uh yeah yeah, it is just like this sort of this like it's almost listening to the same radio like uh guy on the way into work every day it's just there yeah exactly it's exactly like that that i find very comforting and so even if i'm not paying close attention to the game i have it on because it's exactly what it's like when you're commuting, just watching, listening to the same station in the morning, the same guys, the same people you know. And that goes back to the Americana of it, nostalgia, which is like it's a public utility almost. Like, and it's all, and it's the fact that it's regional. It's a more of a regional sport than a national sport, the way, unlike, you know, the NFL 
Well, is that is that by design? Is that because of the way the networks have done it? Does it does it have to be that way, Sal? It doesn't have to be that way. It hasn't always been that way. But yes. So a lot of it has to do with it. Uh, these teams spinning off their own TV networks, which is uniquely sustainable in baseball because it is an everyday sport. Um, and, and, and there's 162 games a year as opposed to the NFL. The jets can't have their own jets TV network. Cause there's only 16 games a year. Fair enough. Um, so I think that there's, th- that has made it regional for sure, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, People have a deep connection in the same way that like uh, rate, like we were talking about just now, like radio stations are regional and even your public utilities are regional and your community is regional, your local community. Like it's, it, it feels more of like part of your, like definitely in New York, at least this could be a New York perspective, but I feel like the New York teams are much more like community teams than maybe some other sports. Okay. Certainly. Like, I just feel like, I mean, I don't know. I'm biased because I'm a baseball fan. Everywhere I go, if I, almost every day, somebody talks to me about the Mets, especially in a season like they're having now where uh, they're playing well. And it's just like a, it's a communal thing. It's a, it's a bond between people and it's a connection between people. And I guess that's true of other sports. I just don't have as much insight as a, as somebody who's not necessarily a fan of, a huge fan. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of other sports, so I'm not as invested in them as I am baseball. So I don't know, like if I mean, you're do a baseball Jets fans guy. walk around and talk to each other about the Jets. Well, and you're a baseball guy, you know. You, I picture you one day being the like guy with the little pencil and keeping the box score. You know. Oh, I would love to. I mean, <laughs> I want to be. And you got to have. First of all, th- thank you for making clear that it's a little pencil. <laughs> I would never use like a big ticonderoga like a number two <laughs> like a golf you know pencil. I don't have... exactly you know that's what you should be using to do that scorecard i'm if you ever catch me at the ballpark with a ticonderoga a ticonderoga in my hands filling out a scorecard that's when you need to call up city field call <laughs> up steve cohen and say keep get this guy out of the ballpark revoke him Revoke his ass. Yeah, revoke him. Call my loved one. Say something's up with Sal. <laughs> something's not right. He's using a full number two to fill out a scorecard. Now, Sal, um, how do we feel about the? I've heard a rumor that there's a time limit now. They're testing a time limit in my in the minor leagues. I mean, how do we feel about that? I mean, that sounds that sounds so anti-baseball. Yeah. So that is. So you've hit upon one of the biggest sort of like most seismic philosophical changes in baseball, which is that they've been experimenting with a pitch clock that would give the pitcher, I believe it's 12 seconds after setting and the batter is set it in the batter's box to throw the bit, throw the ball home. And again, it's all about pace of play. Now, theoretically, now again, my understanding of baseball history in the, arcana of of the rules and stuff is not expert level but my understanding is that there has been a rule on the books for a long time that says the pitcher is supposed to deliver the pitch within 12 seconds but there's no enforcement mechanism there is no such like there's no there's no there's nothing to do you can't do anything about it and nobody ever has done anything about it so now 
to create an enforcement mechanism uh, because also umpires don't even have stopwatches on them. Like nobody even had a way to, it was just like something that's written in the rules, but there's no actual way to measure it and enforce it. Time so has now, never existed. Exactly. Which is another incredible thing where when you're at the ballpark, you've left the realm of, of time. Time has been suspended. You could be there forever. I have been there. I've been, I've been at double headers. I've stayed all day for two games and the day just passes. You don't even, you're not aware of what time it is. You have no earthly obligations. <laughs> you are transported into another realm, Sydney. <laughs> I mean, you're scratching you me know? right where I itch, dude. I, I've been very anti-technology these days, anti-phones, you know, the whole rigmarole. Well, a lot of people are. A lot of people are talking about how to like regain the attention economy and how to regain a sense of self and how, I feel, I feel like, if anything, baseball is kind of perfectly suited to the reorientation that's happening around, like, how to untether yourself from sort of toxic overuse of social media and your iPhone and that kind of thing. Like, baseball is a sport where you go to escape all of those things, and you regain a, 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 an ability to focus. It's like reading a book. Going to a baseball game is like reading a book, like and that, <laughs> which is okay. A I river runs it's... through it. A river runs through it, and and, and other stories. <laughs> I admit that saying that baseball is like reading a book is not necessarily likely to be the next tagline for the MLB. Like it's not going to be like the best advertising slogan. It's going to get you canceled by like by the book people. Yeah, <laughs> you don't think they're gonna like comparison to baseball either? They're gonna come after you, dude. Those are the book people. Yeah, who are the book people? I don't know, like Penguin or someone. <laughs> Penguin is gonna be furious that I compared reading a book to to watching a baseball game. <laughs> um, well, they're thinking about putting a page clock in, in the book. <laughs> you have twelve seconds to read every page. And if not, Penguin takes her book away. <laughs> See how ridiculous it is? <laughs> it is ridiculous. I also want to point out that the book I chose to mention was made into a hit movie. Was it? A River Runs Through It. Oh, right, right. Oh, I thought you were talking about the baseball anthropology book. I was like, what? A hit movie? Baseball anthropology? Oh, yes. No, it was. So, the, you know, they... They made it entertainment for the masses. <laughs> they shortened it. So time stands still at a baseball game, and, and it, maybe it's a way for us to become more human again. You know, Sal, I call my listeners here at this program humans because we're all, yeah. we're all human. We make mistakes. We, we're irrational. Mm -hmm. You know, we're human beings. Uh, so that's, I mean, wow, what a different side to baseball. I've never even considered that you can let your hair down and not worry about time. Yeah. Exactly. There is no, because think about every other sport has the anxiety of time built into it. You have an escape time. In fact, if anything, you've amplified it. You're now at a thing that is crunched by time, that's structured by time. The time creates the pressure in the game. It creates the anxiety in the game. It's not necessarily bad. That's, there's a place for that too. But that is amplifying all of those earthly concerns you have about time squeezing everything in your life, about how uh, creating all of these pressures around you. Baseball is a place you go to escape all of that. 
There's no time is not the mechanism by which things happen in baseball. Time is not the driver of all of the tension and anxiety the way it is in other sports. Time is a driver of intention and anxiety in your daily life. Time is a source of tension and anxiety and stress. And it's the, it's, it's, it's the way it crunches your life into little segments and you feel like you can't get everything done. That is only amplified when you go to a, another sporting event. Sure. But in baseball, you escape it. You, you, you leave that realm. You walk into a realm that's a different realm. You're you're in the cornfield, Sydney. In the cornfield, <laughs> there is no time. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the cornfield, how do you feel about that annual game? Oh, I think it's great. I love it. All right. I, you know, I'm down. I'm I'm down because that's that's the word that that's nostalgia. That's the game playing into its nostalgia. All right. So I'm we're... all for making the game more TV friendly. You know, I don't want to be one of the. I don't want to come off as like some sort of like complete purist traditionalist uh you know stick in the mud who uh you know wants to go back to the dead ball era <laughs> wants every ball stuffed with cotton or whatever you know i'm not i'm not one of those guys you know i'm i'm <laughs> i like the game the way it is i i'm I, but i'm all for making it more tv friendly and you work in TV. and there's a lot yes so there's actually a very good article recently about how the sny sny is the network that carries the mess the booth has taken a lot of directorial liberties that are not traditional in baseball games and that they've been very popular and made the game a little, and the directors tried to make the game a little more cinematic mm. by taking like interesting shots of players. They do a lot of like uh, two shots, intense moments of the pitcher and the batter kind of staring each other down. Um uh, that has like a kind of crossfade between the two of them. They uh, take some players' entrances during commercial and let you hear their entrance music without going to commercial and no voice over it. You just, it's like cinema verite style where they just <laughs> show it to you. And I, I think it's great. And so Feel the Dreams game, I'm all for it. I'm all for making the game more TV friendly, producing it better. Um, doesn't have to be stodgy. That's why I'm another point speaking about because I think this focus on pace of play is misguided. When I think, not that the game couldn't nece- couldn't necessarily be a little faster, and there's some things I'm all for, you know, around there's things around the edges I'm fine with. Like I don't really care about losing the intentional walk, for example. Like originally I was very upset, okay. they didn't have to, and then I was like, whatever, like just let him go to first base, it's fine. <laughs> so there's some things that I'm fine with, but putting that aside, I think the the thing that I'm all for is is letting the personalities in baseball shine let them showboat let them bat flip like i don't i'm not a traditionalist about that stuff let them go nuts let it let let, let everyone more staring people that I, I don't care if people get upset stupid unwritten rules you know like they run written for a reason they were too dumb to write down <laughs> so so just let that's so that's what I'm all for. Let people let the personality shine in. in that's the same thing in the NFL. I'm like, let them do whatever they want to sell. Why is celebrating a, a bad thing? Why is doing like a fun dance with the team when you score a touchdown? Like, why is that a bad thing? You know, I don't get it. I think people are still stuck in this like country club mindset, you know, of like, oh, oh, we still have to be so so buttoned up. I, I don't know. So those are great questions. Well, you're a co- now you're a college football guy, obviously. Obviously, is that true in college football too? Like you can't celebrate 
It's it's way more restricted, actually. It's way more restricted. Even more so than yeah. the NFL. But you know, I'm kind of like, I mean, it's some. It's, I, I, I'm I'm a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to my college ball. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, I don't want it to turn into like uh, pro wrestling or something like that. You know. Well, I mean, you're you're if anything. I've known as long as I've known you, I've known you're a traditionalist about things. <laughs> Very strict manners at the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> Always making sure your forks and spoons are where they should be. Chewing with my mouth closed. Exactly. No elbows at the table. <laughs> Never. You now, slapped my hand once. You slapped my wrist when I put an elbow on the table. Now I do want to I do want to pick your brain about the robotic strike zone kind of a thing. But before we okay. go there, you are talking about entertainment here. Mm-hmm. Now minor league baseball, you know, everything I ever hear is minor league baseball is all about everything but baseball. It's a lot of gimmicks. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like the minors are distancing themselves from the actual game. I mean, it, Major League Baseball is try, trying trying to do these things all by itself because its counterpart has already said heck with it. Uh, well, you mean that would do what things by themselves? Like like trying to make the the game more like you know, get more viewers and to to get more garner oh. more attention. You know, and the minor well, leagues have already I, given up. Minor league minor league teams have are doing that in a way their own way, which is they're they're just trying to do more fun stuff. I I'm all, here's the other thing. I'm all for making baseball games fun events. So if minor league teams want to do silly stuff like the Brooklyn Cyclones do a Seinfeld night and they, <laughs> you know, they have like they have like people doing a lane dancing contest and all that stuff oh like that, I, I'm all for that. Do you go, Sydney? How do could you... you be against Seinfeld night? <laughs> Seinfeld night. What's next, dude? Will and Grace night or uh, just shoot? <laughs> is there just shoot me night? When's Just Shoot just Me shoot Night? Me night. <laughs> I love Just Shoot Me Night. David Spade comes and he kind of wisecracks about everything that's happening. Like, they're, I guess they take photos. That was supposed to be, right? They work at a magazine or something? No, I think it's Seinfeld Night really hit me hard. Uh, just because it's, it's, again, you're like my most New York friend. And of course you love yeah. Seinfeld Night. Of course. I, that it's It hits me in every spot that I, by the way, Again, I can't thank you enough for describing me as your most New York friend. <laughs> because you have other friends who live in New York. This is true. Uh, but but nobody's your most New York friend, aside from me. And that's a high honor of, uh, I, that you've attributed to me. And so Seinfeld night at a Brooklyn Cyclones game, <laughs> that hits me in every every spot. Um <laughs> Maybe maybe the Mariners should be doing a Frasier night. <laughs> you know, if you're a Seattle guy. <laughs> maybe there's a Seattle Sal out there. Like, I'm a New York guy. Yeah. Maybe there's a Seattle Sal. There's the most Seattle guy you've ever met. He loves the rain. He loves, like, he loves, he loves terrible weather. He loves Nirvana. And, uh, yeah, he loves Nirvana. He loves grunge. <laughs> and he... Uh, he loves. He, I guess he loves Starbucks coffee. I can't think of other Seattle things. I don't know. They loves that big tower they have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have uh, the fish market. Yeah, the fish market. He loves to go down to the fish market. You know, with his Fraser Crane uh, 
uh, with his Fraser logo mug, his travel mug that has a Fraser logo on it. And he pours some Starbucks coffee in there and buys himself some fresh fish. He goes up to the top of that tower. And, uh, <laughs> but he, maybe he would love Fraser night, you know? Sure. Okay. So you're all about the, you're all about making it fun. I'm all about making it fun. That's, I have no, I'm, that's where I think a way more attention should be paid than the pace of play stuff. Okay. Now let's get to the, the question on everyone's mind. Like, are we going to make the strike zone uh, electronic? I mean, does that ruin the game? Does it, does it just become instant replay ball? I mean, what's going on? So I have conflicted thoughts about this because on the one hand, I, my first reaction is to say that it's insane because it's a human game. And so umpires are a part of the game. They're humans. Of course, it's easier and easier to automate so many things. Like there's lots about the game eventually that could be automated. There's lots about everybody's jobs that could be automated eventually. And a lot of it probably will be, but we're, we are human beings watching human beings do a thing for entertainment. And we're watching it for all its human flaws. You know, that's part of the, the life being reflected back at us in the form of the microcosm of sport. So I want to see the, the, the human flaws in the game. I think I want umpires to be good. So like, I don't want, you know, them to be flagrantly bad and ruin the game. And I, they definitely should be held to high standards. Uh, but they're still human beings and it should be a game run by and played by human beings. On the flip side, okay. from what I've read, there's still a lot. You're not taking the home plate umpire out of the game. You know, there's still a lot that they have to do. They're still, they're going to still call plays at the plate, blah, blah, blah. So I don't, I don't know how much, how big of a deal it is to take their, that away from them, especially because there's going to be no discernible difference on the field. You're not going to see like, there isn't going to be an actual like robot standing behind the catcher, which if, if anything, that would be more entertaining. If you want to do it, go all the way, have there be like a big clunky Wally style robot behind the catcher. I hate who, Wally. You hate Wally? Yeah. Why? You're the only person on earth who hates Wally. I don't know. It's something about it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Why does he rub you the wrong way? It's just like some robot roaming around. Like I've never seen it. Like it's just. I feel like it's like in my life, even though I have no interest. What do you mean it's in your life? It's rolling around and it's in your life. What? Well, like you just mentioned it. You know, it's in other things. It's part part of pop culture. <laughs> you don't like that? There's just a popular cartoon robot from a movie. And he's that so happy. People talk about. He's so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Thumbs down. <laughs> oh man I'm, okay alright you're coming on this is what I'm talking about you're to 60 so you're saying a, a robot umpire would make the would, would, would enhance it but in general you're saying this wouldn't really change the game much it would just be electronic calls no big deal you're not going to see that much of a difference there's still going to be an umpire behind the plate and he's going to call he's going to say the balls and strikes he's just not calling them himself so I don't know I'm torn I'm t- I I I'm giving you a rare equivalent. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't have a, a strong, I'm, I'm conflicted. You know, I know you want hot takes, Sydney. <laughs> I know you have hot takes. You're looking for hot takes. 
you want a spicy conversation here. And I, I, unfortunately, I feel nuanced about it. I have conflicted opinions about it. Hey, that's okay. You're, you're, you're talking human. to a conflicted man, a man who's torn asunder within himself. It's a dramatic <laughs> thing. <laughs> you're like Charlie Sheen in Platoon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I it's been so long since I've seen Platoon that I don't remember in what way I don't remember how that's relevant. I don't I can't make I it's hard for me to why how is he conflicted? Oh well he's just being courted by like, you know, the guys that are very into their mission and he's being courted by the guys that are like, you know, like doing heroin and sort of having a good time, you know, and don't want Oh and, right. Gotcha. Know. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, well, I guess in this situation, uh, I guess on the one hand, you've got the umpires doing cocaine and heroin or whatever. On the other hand, you've got the robots who are really into their mission. So, yes, I guess in that sense, I'm Charlie Sheen from Platoon. <laughs> now, we're talking sports. I want to pivot just a second here. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend, Brian Fithian, filled me in that the U.S. is playing England in the World Cup on November 25th. That's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I didn't even know that was taking place. I, uh, I know either. you to be a World Cup watcher, and I think I know you to hate the phrase, it's coming home. <laughs> well, I think you hate it, right? I hate it. I hate that yes. the British have this, it's coming home nonsense before the World Cup every year. <laughs> yes, yes. It's really here's the thing. I think everybody kind of mocks them for it, except for Br the British fans. Obviously, love it. But guess what? It hasn't come home. You can't keep saying it's coming home after many times of saying that, and it hasn't come home. <laughs> like it's it, if it's going home, it's just going somewhere else because it's not home. Isn't where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Plus, you can't just keep saying if you keep saying it's coming. That's a definitive declaration. That's not like you're not saying we want it to come home. You're not saying nobody's chanting like it would be nice if it came home. You know what I mean? Nobody's chanting that. They're making a definitive declaration. They're saying it's coming home. And then every time they do that, it doesn't come home. So imagine if you did that in your life. Imagine you call your your significant other. You you say, hey, I'm coming home. And then you just don't come home. <laughs> then you start to you start to look insane. You start to look ridiculous. So you can't just keep saying it's coming home and then not and then it doesn't come home. I do have one more question about technology and baseball for you here. Please. It seems like most baseball movies, there's some element that progress is the enemy. You know, you take you take Bull Durham. We're kind of pulling for like Kevin Costner, who's like on his way out. You know, we, we're we're like mm -hmm. the, we like the Tim Robbins guy, fine, but we're sort of yeah. like we sort of like the old the old horse that's in his last thing. And same with Major League. I mean, it's like the the, the catcher's kind of on his way out in that movie. Uh, yeah, from what I well, recall, the whole team is. They're all they're all they're all uh, you know um, guys who have been pulled out of nowhere and. And old people who are past their prime and that kind of thing. It's like we're just against we're against uh, the the whole the whole culture is sort of just 
let's be in this moment right now. Let's pull for the old guy or something. So we're, we're it's sort of anti-technology as a, all the way around. I I agree with that. It's a sport that's in many ways stuck in time, which is why I think it's the sport that that transports you. It's 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 a clear line from the beginning of from the eighteen hundreds when the late eighteen hundreds when the game started. It's a it's something that connects us to our past because it's been so steady and consistent, and it's always been there. As we we're talking about before, it's always been there. It'll always be there. We hope, we think, we feel like when we watch <laughs> it, we think of it as a utility. And it connects us to our past in that way because so much else around it, there's been no matter what tumult is happening around us, no matter how much transformative change is going on, baseball is always there as a constant and always has been. And I feel like that is definitely reflected in those movies. You know, uh, Kevin Costner's character is there as that presence. But there is a little bit of like an acknowledgement of giving way to the new. You know, oh, yeah. like he does help the Tim Robbins character. This is true. He's there to help him. He's not there to say, I'm in your way. Stop. Right. He's teaching him. So I think there's like a sort of statesman a presence of the elders, of respecting your elders, of respecting the past, but also gradually, perhaps begrudgingly giving way to the new. And that is reflected in even the fact of the way the baseball schedule is built, the seasons, you know, like every season starts in spring with a sense of renewal and hope. And then by the end of the season, you're, you're <laughs> exhausted and you're drained and it's done and it's over and you want to put it away for a few months. And then there's another. So I think it, I think it's cyclical. I think there's more there. I think you're right. You think you've hit upon that, but I also think there is a sense of giving way to, wow. To, to the young to change that's just i mean that's poetic so and i think it's fitting that we ended on that poetic note yeah given that we began with you revealing that you almost minored in anthropology <laughs> and which is a vulnerable thing for you to say by the way yeah and i, didn't I want to give play credit. anthropology i had anthropology classes <laughs> you weren't exact exactly you weren't playing exactly you wouldn't say i was playing anthropology you wouldn't say that a scientist would say try saying that to a real anthropologist oh hey are you playing anthropology right now <laughs> walk into walk walk into i walk into an er during surgery say hey are you playing doctor <laughs> I'd like to see you walk out of there without a without a black and blue eye you know <laughs> You are so New York that the doctor in your imagination is going to punch me. <laughs> well, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be like, I get, I get this fucking guy out of here. Oh, he's going to be like that. You know, like, give some gobble cool. Get this guy out of here. You know? Well, Sal, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, of course, you know, when, when can we watch a closer look? When is, is it on? Uh, when is it on? Uh, so it's on almost every night on late night uh, with Seth Meyers, which airs at 12.37. 12.37. So if you're setting your DVR, don't set it for 12.30. Set it for 12.37. Wow. But it also on YouTube starting at 9 o'clock every night, and you can watch it the next morning if you want. You know, where the linear model is, is changing. So wow. you can, there's many ways for you to watch it. You can even watch it on Peacock. 
Wow, dude. I mean, your segment is just everywhere. Now, is there anything else you want to plug? Do, 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 do you writers from the Seth Meyers show get together and do improv anywhere? Is there anything else you want to plug while you're here? Um, We used to do improv. COVID changed that, so we don't have a show right now that we do regularly. But um, you know what? I want to plug Ken Burns. <laughs> and I want to put a plug in for him. I want to put a plug in for him to do the next Fast and Furious. I think that would be huge for him and by extension for baseball fair enough well sal thanks for coming on the show you know we the humans already love you i can tell oh i love the humans <laughs> i as you as you can tell i'm a people person this is true <laughs> yeah well we'll see you soon all right thank you very much sydney yes sir well folks that was sal gentile uh, his segment on Late Night with Seth Myers is a closer look, so check that out. Thanks for coming on, Sal. Wow. Wow. We learned something again, didn't we, humans? Thank you for listening to the show. Folks, listen. If you want to weigh in on whether John Cusack's shirt at the end of High Fidelity, on whether or not it counts as a men's blouse in cinema, you have until Monday, September 5th. Now, I had said Monday, end of day, Monday, 11.59 p.m., but I'm changing that. They're actually due by Monday, 9 a.m. Had some things get changed around over here, so going to need those Monday, 9.5, Labor Day, by 9 a.m. I know you've got it in you. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. All right, folks, we'll see you back next week. Look for that next show on Tuesday. I can't fight the wind anymore.